think the last time I saw you was in Manhattan. Yeah, I think that's right. And it was sort of like... Circa 2003, maybe? Yeah, probably. So, so I just want you to know, I still look young. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know. I've seen the video. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hello and welcome to How They Did It with me, Darby Worley. This is a show where I sit down with extraordinary people to talk about this thing called life and how to do it better. Today on the show is Rob McGovern. Now, if you're familiar with that name, you probably know him as the founder of CareerBuilder.com or other business successes that Rob has experienced in his life. And those are all fantastic. But I wanted to talk to him about um, a very serious car accident that he had a number of years ago and his recovery and how that changed his life. So I really don't want to say a whole lot more about that. Let's just listen to the interview. Oh, my God. I have to tell you, before we jump into this, I stopped myself yesterday. There's somebody on your page who was saying something about positive about Donald Trump or negative about Hillary, and I started to jump on and make a comment, and I was like, why am I doing this? I do not know this person. There's no need for me to engage with this person. (laughs) Here's the thing. Uh, I'm glad you brought her up. You know, my girlfriend, such a reluctant Facebook user, and and I have only really been using it to diss Donald Trump. (laughs) I told her this confession yesterday. I said, you know, I really feel bad. I dissed this woman and unfriended her because she wasn't agreeing with me. That's like sort of against the spirit of Facebook. And so she says, yeah, that was really bad. And so then she went and looked at my newsfeed, and she saw – what that woman was saying, she says, oh, yeah, you were right to get rid of her. <laughs> and then it occurred to me, I don't know who she is. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, wow. she's not a friend. I mean, I just say yes to everybody, and I shouldn't. I think I just said yes to some right-wing, alt-right idiot. Yeah, I have lots of people like that in my friendship list. I've got something like 3,500 people. Like, I keep saying that I'm going to start unfriending people on their birthdays. Like, I'm just going to yeah. do it slowly every day as the birthdays right. come up. I'm going to be like, okay, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. But I just don't quite have the heart to do it. I have learned, though, to change my privacy settings so that every time I post anything political, I hide it from a group of people I've dubbed the shit starters. Right. <laughs> and that makes it a lot easier. Do you want to hear something really depressing about Donald Trump? I do. This whole thing really bummed me out when I learned this today. So I had a a long drive this morning to meeting up in Baltimore. And so I'm in my car and I'm listening to news radio. And and this analyst who is very believable and respectable gets on and is being interviewed and says, look, here's what you got to understand. Donald Trump is not running for president. Mm. That is a false and very believable analyst said, and said, really, he's running to create a television network. Yeah. But then here's what he said. He said, it's actually brilliant what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He wants to be ostracized by the Republican Party because he wants to create mm-hmm. the TV network that's for the disgruntled, hateful people, which there are about 40 million of. Wow. He says, it will be the most valuable TV network ever. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's going after Paul Ryan. He said he wants to lose the debates. All he wants to do is challenge an establishment player. And going to these people saying, it's not just the elections are rigged, society is rigged. Mm -hmm. And this whole thing is against you, and I'm here for you. And if you think about it, it's a perfect strategy 
for an opportunistic guy like him. Yeah. And I think he actually doesn't really have an interest in being the president because he, he doesn't prepare for the debates. He's like, I don't want to do that shit. Yeah, he has no interest in that job whatsoever. No, I think you're. I think that's exactly right. And I think it's a really dark road that he's going down and taking these people with him and riling up these people. I mean, the homophobia and the racism and the misogyny that he has unearthed and given these people permission to come out from underneath their rocks is distressing to me. And did you see this thing yesterday at Pence's rally where this woman talked about she was being ready to take yeah. to the streets with her guns for yeah. revolution? She's not the only one. I know. And here's the thing that really frightens me, that we all thought the Internet and social media was going to liberate society and create fluidity of information. It actually isolates it, Mm. right? Because you're only friends with the people you're friends with. And you can choose your news now. Mm. And you choose Fox or, in in this case, you're going to choose alt-right Trump. And my mother's a Trump supporter despite my chastising her. And it's amazing to me. She gets these emails. I said, mom, you know, none of this is true. Hmm. And she's like, no, no, it says it right here. It's in the email. Like mom, this is not true. Right. And so that's my fear is it's going to fuel up these people and forever they'll be angry, uninformed a-holes. So I think Trump's going to keep doing outlandish things and He's probably pining for McConnell to diss him. Yeah, McConnell's showing exceptional discipline. He's been real quiet. Yeah, and so I think Trump's hoping he drops him. Anyway, that's the depressing news of the day. Yeah. (laughs) Well, listeners, you can hear the voice of Rob McGovern, and you can tell by this conversation that this guy has every ounce of his mental faculties about him and he's clearly very very intelligent but how many years ago rob did you get in the accident six so six years ago he spent two weeks in a coma and his doctor told his mother that he would never recover from this traumatic brain injury so let's start at this moment what do you remember about waking up in the hospital oh i don't what happened was i lost three months of memory before the accident Mm. and three months after. I now understand that's pretty common. My waking up was like a gradual process three months later. And there are videos of me in one of the hospitals with me talking to people. And I said, I've never been in that hospital. What happened was I was on a business trip and I'm a private pilot. And I was driving back to my airplane And on the road, a 16-year-old kid decided to pass someone illegally going uphill. Mm. So he crossed the yellow line, and unfortunately, I was coming over the hill, and we had a head on. And sort of the humorous part of that is everyone was always afraid I'd kill myself in my airplane. And no, I almost killed myself in the car driving to my airplane. And so I had some good fortune. I was driving a car that's referred to in aviation as a crew car. And a crew car is what they give you for free if you buy gas in your airplane. And so that car was a 1992 Lumina, which was the first year Chevy put an airbag in a car. Wow. And then second good luck was I was a mile from a fire station. And third, I was in Indianapolis. And they took me to Mercy Hospital, 
which is what they use for the IndyCar drivers. So, you know, it all came together. If you're almost dead in a car accident, you want to be in Indianapolis. Did you you stay in Indianapolis for your whole recovery or did they take you someplace closer to home? Like what happened then? Yeah, well, you know, what happened was I was, so I'm in a coma and the, I lost eight units of blood, which is about what you you have, you know, and the trauma surgeon said, the only reason I'm alive is because I'm a fitness buff. And so they stabilized me, got me out of the coma I had 41 fractures, so they're like, you know, gluing me back together and sewing me back together. And then at the end of that, let's say I'm in intensive care for weeks out there or a month. And then they say to my mom, okay, well, he's ready to be transported. Here are the, you know, two hospitals we recommend. And she says, no, no, I live in Philadelphia. I'm going to take him there. They said, no, no, you need to take him to a, a brain recovery hospital. She says, what are you talking about? He says, oh, he has a traumatic brain injury. And she said, why didn't you tell me? He said, well, we were trying to save his life, you know. This <laughs> yeah, was one, that, one thing at a time. This was second order. And my mom's kind of funny. She told me that entire time I'm out, my ears bleeding. And she keeps saying to the doctor, you know, he's, he's bleeding out of his ear. And the doctor kept saying, yeah, that's not on the triage list today. We'll oh, get Jesus. it. Oh, you know, God. and so I spent a month out there and then I was transported to the National Rehabilitation Hospital in Washington, D.C. So I'm curious about, like, if your brain was injured in such a devastating manner, what were your thoughts like when you when you started to come to? What was what do you remember about that? It's it's kind of hard to describe what happens when the computer in your brain is not working. Mm. I'll tell you something that chief neurosurgeon told me maybe three or four months after the accident. I'm now aware enough to have conversations. And I said to him, hey, will I ever be 100% again? And he, without skipping me, says, oh, yes, for sure. Just a different 100%. And that's kind of how it is. So when I first started getting it together, I couldn't remember names and places and Every day they'd ask me what city I was in, and I was sort of having trouble with that. And then what they do in in recovery like this is it was really eight or nine hours a day of therapy to kind of reestablish thought process and brain. Mm -hmm. Here's how fortunate I was. There's a, a predictive test that is the gold standard for people who have been in uh, a coma, it's called the Glasgow Coma Score. Mm-hmm. And so after you're out of the coma and you're aware, and they run these tests on you, and they give you a score. And your score today is a 14. Mm-hmm. And the lowest score you can be is a 3. And the 3 is your brain's controlling your lungs, your heart, you know, basic things like that. And then based on your score, they have a predictive outcome. And so my score was a three. And so the predictive outcome is vegetative. So they really did have the vegetable talk with my mom. And who knows, I'm a good healer or something. You know, my code name at the hospital was miracle. Hmm. Like they really couldn't believe it. And here I am, 
and um, I'm just glad I don't remember it. Yeah, yeah. But but you you must remember the recovery period. Was it was it quite painful physically? Like you were in the hospital for uh, you said almost a year or a year. Yeah, yeah. So what was hard is there were really two parts to it. One was physical, right? I crushed my pelvis, both hips and you know all these fractures, and so one thread was getting me mobile and back on my feet and the other was brain and i remember my girlfriend and i have a funny expression that is have you ever thought about swimming (laughs) and and i'll tell you where that comes from is one time the chief physical therapist checked in on me and said how you doing and i'm at this time i'm still wheelchair bound and i asked her i said hey when do you think i'll be able to get back on my bike Mm -hmm. and she says have you ever thought about swimming? <laughs> and so now, whenever there's a setback in life and you, it feels like you can't do something, we tease each other, have you ever thought about swimming? <laughs> did you laugh right away at that joke or did, or did you not find that funny in the moment? Oh, no. I just said, in my mind, I said, you don't know who I am. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, you just told me everything you need to say. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Since that time, I now ride my bike 6,000 miles a year. Yeah. Well, speaking of who you are, I remember you as being this like hyper-driven, hyper-intelligent, like uber-type A overachiever kind of person. And so I suspect that you attacked your recovery that way. Did you have that feeling right away? Like, I'm just, I'm, no matter what is going on here, I'm going to beat this? Or did you ever doubt that that was possible? Yeah, I think the, the only reason... I didn't tie my sheets together and get out of the hospital out the window Hmm. is because I wasn't strong enough to do that. But yeah, I I don't ever recall a doubt, but I'll tell you what happened is, you know, I don't watch television even in my real life. I never have. And so I'm like staring at the ceiling tiles in my hospital room, just contemplating life. And, you know, I just, did some math and said, Hey, we're only alive for 28,000 days. Hmm. And I got to value every day because it can all be taken away from you because some nut hits you with a car. And I think it really helped my perspective and made me value every day. And if I'm anything, I'm impatient about wasting time Hmm. because I'm like, Hey, we don't have many days left. This could end right now tomorrow. Yeah. Do you believe in the law of attraction and that type of mental conjuring manifestation meditation business? And first, just first of all, do you believe in it? I'm not sure I'm aware enough to say whether I believe or not. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, basically the law of attraction says, and this is something that I absolutely don't believe in, but it somehow seems to work in my life all the time. So I'm not sure what to say about that. But it basically just says if you believe it, you can make it happen. And my suspicion is that that's something you've been doing your whole life, whether or not you're consciously doing it. Yeah. But you know who I give credit to for that is my mom. Mm. So my mother is still alive. She never finished the ninth grade. Mm. And she came out of a coal mining region in Pennsylvania. And she has always been behind me sort of nudging me saying, you can do it. You can do it. And so there's never been a question in my mind about being able to accomplish something because 
she instilled that confidence in me that you can achieve what you want to achieve. I'm curious about, too, how this has changed your self-image and if those changes are things that you remember or that other people have told you in a way that you've changed since the accident. Well, I think that most people would say, and I think I, I believe this too, is I've become more purposeful and I really do believe that it could end tomorrow. Right. And if it does, do you, you want to be able to look back and say, you know, I lived every moment to the, the best I was able. And and so before I didn't want to watch a TV show, if you want to torture me, make me waste time watching Mad Men or some television show. It's just I, I need more purpose in my life than that. How many hours a day do you work? So I have two companies going right now. So it's a lot of hours, but. I guess what I don't want to leave the impression that I'm this workaholic. Mm -hmm. I work a lot because I really love what I do. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd rather be doing something that I really enjoy doing than wasting the time. Do you believe in God? Yeah. You do? What what version? Well, I guess it's like this. I don't think humans are capable of truly understanding who God is and whether we're in a matrix Elon Musk from Tesla Solar City recently said that he thinks there's a 99% chance we're living in a simulation. Mm. I don't argue that, right? <laughs> I, I'm not sure what the environment we're in, it, um, what it truly is. Could it be the Matrix? Yes. Why not? <laughs> Would that be God, some hacker running the Matrix? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not super religious. I actually think religion is was designed by humans to organize society more than it was to create religious beliefs. Yeah, I think I think that's as good a theory as any. Do you think it's an overall good or an overall detriment to society in its current form? I think it's good because I think we do need to be organized. Every religion can take things too far, whether it's Christianity or radical Islam or you know Judaism. But I think. As a basic framework, morals are a good thing. Religious norms or norms of outside is a good thing. I think respect towards others is we sort of get that from, in, if you're a Christian, from the Bible. So I think it's a good thing. Okay. I want you to talk a little bit about how you got the idea for CoBrain, which seems to be such a complicated product. I'm not even sure if I could explain it to the listeners, but maybe you can talk a little bit about where that idea came from. Yeah, so it's the idea really is one of collaborative intelligence that if you think about it, the human brain, I'm trying to remember what the number is, how many petaflops of performance it has, but you basically on your shoulders have more than 100 million of your laptops in your brain power. So humans are really smart and they can do a lot. And my idea was, well, what happens if, what if we try to figure out by identifying who's doing the things that you're doing? In, in this case, it's in shopping. And the theory of this kind of computer science is if you buy product A and I buy product A, when you buy product B, there's a higher probability that I'll like product B too. But imagine if you bought 10 products and I buy coincidence, bought the same 10 products, 
if you buy the 11th product, really high probability I'm going to like the 11th product too. Hmm. And so what I did is I convinced major retailers to give me all their data. And today we have about 4 billion transactions that retailers have given us. What that does is allow us to create predictive models based on purchase behaviors. One of the innovative things is we figured out a way for the retailer to mask the person's identity. Mm. So I don't know your name, but I can tie it to you in a way so I know who you're most like. And that's the idea. And what enables it all is the cloud's computing resources because the computations we're running use you know massive amount of computing power that before the cloud you just couldn't do it now we can turn a switch and we have you know what feels like the world's computing power at our fingertips and we run this predictive algorithm and in four seconds it's done and we give all the computers back So do you find, and I'll preface this by saying that I'm not at all squicked out about targeted advertising to me. I'd actually rather have ads that are based on my past behavior. I think they're more relevant and less annoying. But do you find that people get scared by having all that data running around, even if it's not identifiable to them? I'd say that the horse is already out of the barn on that one, Mm. right? So every person that has an Amazon account which we all do now, has a different Amazon front page. And what's on your Amazon page is different than mine. And Amazon's taking everything you've bought and everything you've looked at and everything you've rated, and they're computing predictive models to try to figure out what to show you. I happen to agree with you. I think it's better. We'd rather have better navigation Mm -hmm. to information, but it's, you could do bad things with it. I could scare the daylights out of you. If you know the data I could buy on you and what marketers are buying about you every day. Hmm. And the suppliers of that data, well, if I told you the names of the companies, it would shock you. Really? Yeah. They're, they're big credit bureaus and people like that. Wow. Yeah. That's not cool. Yeah. I think that battle's already been fought. Did you hear about the famous target model? What happened with target? No. There's a famous e-commerce story. It's a true story that the guy was really pissed off at the mail that Target was sending to his daughter, to his house, right? And it was all this maternity stuff and diapers and, and sort of like these incentives, two-for-one diapers, you know, here's a special deal. And he called Target and said, I, I went off this mail and it's ridiculous my daughter's only 17. This shows how bad your market is. Oh, target said, get her a pregnancy test. Oh, my God. They were, target was right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway, the data is out there. What ends up happening to the marketers, we are so cautious because if a bad story ever got out, we'd be out of business. Right. Right. And so it's sort of self-regulating. We're very, very careful about the data and who has access to it. and But I think everyone that has the data is the same way. I would also be interested to hear where you think our economy and where our jobs are going to be coming from in, say, 10 years, 15 years. Yeah, I'm glad you asked me that, only because it's, it's a question I ponder and think about all the time as well. 
watching this election and hearing who are mostly Republicans saying, we're going to bring these manufacturing jobs back, my answer always is, yeah, so the robots can do them. Exactly. I've seen interior videos of the Tesla factory, and it looks like a flashlight factory to me, which means you could turn the lights off, right? Because the robots don't need the lights on. So I don't think that's the answer, making stuff. I think we're going to see lots of automation. I think in some ways we're fortunate the birth rate in all the Western economies is going down um, because it's not clear how you could support a much bigger population. I think services economy continues to grow. I really worry about retail because I'm not sure in 10 years why we go to a store. I'll give an example. I I just keep thinking that virtual reality is the ultimate or one of the ultimate virtual reality experiences will be is if you can put on these goggles and experience a product and see it that is actually better than going to the store. Mm -hmm. Right. You can put it in your living room and see what that couch looks like in your living room. And it's, it's, it's augmented reality. It's better than being going to the store and trying to imagine it at home. Yeah. Well, I would far rather have some virtual model of my body and try clothes on my virtual body than go into a store and actually have to, you know, shimmy my ass into a bikini. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. that would be yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Those kinds of things. But I think Europe is experiencing some of this now. Like us, they have an aging populace. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you I, I have a great answer. I can tell you I'm really happy my son studied computer science in college Mm -hmm. because I think that he did get a great job and their jobs for that, for those kinds of positions. But I think it's a big question. How are we, how are we going to employ these people? So your kids are all grown up now, huh? Well, I have a daughter who's a senior in high school. Here's how I talk to my kids about college. I say, look, you can go to any college you want. There are only two rules. One is you can go as long as you want, as many years as you want. Just know that I only paid for four years. (laughs) So if you want to go five, six, you better save money. Yeah. And the second is you can choose any major you want as long as there's jobs in that profession. Yeah. I think those are good rules. Yeah. I don't know what she's going to study, but she's a really smart kid and she'll do well. Yeah. How do you define success? You know what? It changed because of my car accident. Mm. Okay, in that case, tell me what it used to be and tell me what it is now. I think it was sort of dumb stuff, like make the most money, have the most stuff, Mm. right? I think success today is on your last day. You look back and say, wow, those were a great 28,000 days, right? I really had a good time. I enjoyed it. I contributed to the world. I think that's a lovely place to stop. Rob McGovern, thank you so much for agreeing to come on my little show. Can people find you anywhere on the internet? Where should they look if they want to read more of your musings? Are you on Twitter or any of those places? Yeah, at Precise Target, one of my companies, they can find me on that website, find me on LinkedIn, and uh, I'm Rob at PreciseTarget.com. If you spam me, I'll spam you back. (laughs) (laughs) All right, sir, thank you so much. I'm really glad you didn't die in that car accident. All right, Darby, great talking to you. All right, that's going to wrap things up for another edition of How They Did It. Remember, you can support the show by subscribing in iTunes, by leaving us a good rating or a review, and telling your friends. Just grab their phones, 
get into their podcast app and subscribe to the show. It really helps other folks find us when you do all that stuff. How They Did It is produced in partnership with Pregame Magazine. Hear more from the smart folks at Pregame at pregamemagazine.com. Our music is provided by Girls Like Bass, and you can hear more from them at girlslikebass.com. For more on my voiceover career or fitness interests, you can check out my website at darbywhirly.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.